This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards for Carry, or or do we change the name of the podcast to Draft Media, Simon? I mean, maybe. I mean, you start a simple conversation about not being clear whether or not Chase Young fits in the uh, in the scheme of exactly what they want to do, and then it becomes a thing in a press conference where the Miami media guys are starting to ask for coaches. Then Kevin Clark talks about it in the ringer. I mean, it's funny to me. <laughs> well, we set we set the narratives. We know exactly, that. exactly. Yeah, yeah. We're, inf- we're influencers. It's okay. It's yes. okay to, to credit the podcast guys. Uh, all you gotta yeah. do is you know just say three yards for carry or those just, three idiots on, on Twitter. Any of three other, yards any of that will work. Yeah, three yards after dark, as I like to. Uh, oh, I've got I've got some breaking news for you. Oh boy. Oh. Dolphins have just, Ian uh, uh, says the Dolphins are signing Samaja Pirine oh, off the boy. Bengals practice squad because Miles really? Gaskin is out for the season. Nice. Yeah. That's not so bad. Yeah. It's a, a lot name, of people will know him. Right? Yeah. A lot of people remember him. He was, he was very powerful. I mean, a yeah. very powerful running back. So, All right, guys. Um, now, let me, let me set the stage, okay? I wasn't feeling all that well. In fact, you could tell in my voice it's kind of nasally right now, right? It's kind of nasally. Kind Are of you talking about the stage at the last Five Reasons watch party? I might have gotten sick there, okay, to be honest with you, because it was cold. <laughs> as, it was, pardon my French, but it was cold as fuck. And fucking, when, you, when you say sick, do you mean drunk? Yep. No, actually, or, I was pretty fine. I was, I was there are various there are various diseases you can pick up there. Yeah, now yeah, the, other Alf, the other Alf on the Crabs. network was pretty drunk, but I was I was perfectly syphilis. <laughs> but I show up over there, and I had no idea it was going to be this cold. And you're going to laugh at me by telling you this that it was only 62 degrees. But if you're used to 89 degrees every day and night. And you just show up somewhere unannounced, and all of a sudden it's sixty-two degrees, and it's breezy. You freeze your ass off. I think that. that when was the last time you wore a jacket? Oh, months. Has to be months. The last time I wore a jacket. I'm wearing. What about right trousers? Now. Oh no, I wear them every once in a while. I'm not wearing those. You know, I, I meet business people, and I, and I go to a meeting. And I, have to pants. Are you, are you I enjoy the Porky Pig. I wear a jacket and no trousers. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but I can go an entire year without a jacket. Like, that's possible, especially down here. You know, now when I was, you know, when I was a TV producer, I used to wear a jacket every day, but that was just, you know, to keep up appearances, to look like, you know, like I'm, I'm, like I'm important. You know what I mean? I'm eating a satsuma, by the way. When you walk into the control room, nobody's wearing a jacket, and you're wearing a jacket, it means like you're in charge. So it makes you look better than you are. So I used to pull that off. I pulled that off for about three years. So let me tell you where I was on Sunday. I go and I don't feel, I don't feel too great on Sunday, but 
I was committed to to going to this party, a possible sponsor of the show down the down the road. It's a cigar lounge that I that I frequent, and of course I have all the games there. Strip club, you mean? A great. He's still talking about the strip club thing. Yeah, no, no, that's a strip club now. And the spread of food is game, and there's dolphin fans there, and some are rooting for them to win, but most are rooting for them to lose. So I watched this whole thing. And as the comeback is on, these guys are cheering like, like maniacs. And when that kick goes through and the Dolphins win, everybody's angry. Mm. Like, what did they expect? Didn't they expect the Dolphins to win this game? What do you think, Simon? 30 oh, minutes sorry, before the exactly What was the question, sorry? I was just reading something. <laughs> it was an NBA trade, and I was just reading about it. Oh, the question was, what did you expect? Because these people evidently expected them to lose, were surprised that they were winning, and then were shocked and upset that they actually won in the end. I expected um, them to win this game. I don't know what I you expected. I thought they'd win. And when they were up 35-12 with about 20 seconds to go and still managed to blow it, I thought that was quite funny. Um, but, no, I thought that I, I thought they would win. I thought I think they've got less talent than the Bengals, but a significantly better mm-hmm. coached team. Um, and that shone through again yesterday. I mean, again, we've talked about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. They're playing with a lot of XFL kind of players, but somehow they're managing to to pull it out. And, you know, in parts, they played pretty well. And, you know, Albert Wilson has slowly started to come back you know, last two or three weeks, he's really started to look like a player that you'd want to rely on despite his high cap number next year. Parker obviously playing well. Gasicki playing well. Um, Fitz played pretty well. Defensively, Needham played well. There's, Wilkins had a good game. Baker played well. So, you know, Matt Hawke and, and, and Sanders, you know, I mean, they're a solid special teams foundation. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm a bit blasé now about them winning because the injury to them um, just puts everything slightly up in the air. Um, and it feels like, you know, Joe Burrow's going to go one, Chase Young's going to go two. It feels like even if you pick fourth or fifth, you're going to have the opportunity to take two uh, that you might not have had before he got injured. And in a way, and we talked about it at the time, in a way the injury is a blessing in disguise, potentially, if he comes back. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm slightly more blasé about, you know, I don't think they'll beat the Patriots next week. So I think they'll end up fourth or fifth. Which gives you, you if know, they beat the Patriots, I'm going to be upset. I'll tell you that right yeah. now. I'll be really? upset if they win next week. Yeah. I think if they beat the Patriots, it'll, well, I guess. It takes them out of the running for everybody. Just trade every pick for the following year's picks. I don't think really you want to get, if you, if you really are that, that fascinated with Tua and you really, he really is your guy, and uh, I don't think you'd want to be in a position where you are now behind either Jacksonville or the Chargers. Yes. And I think that would do it. I think um, we don't even know two is going to come out at this point. No, for sure. I think. For sure. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's that's really because I've heard he's no closer to making that decision, um, you know, from people that are connected to Bama. So, and, and I don't know, you have plenty of people at Bama, Simon. Yeah. Um, and so he's got a month still, know. to be fair. He does. He does. Yeah. He has yeah. a month. And that's he's probably going to take that time. And Nick Saban is, I believe, he's working on him. Uh, you can you can hear it in what Nick Saban says publicly, but also, you know, just read the body language there. I mean, he's he's bringing Tua, I believe, to the bowl game and giving up an active, an active roster spot so that Tua can come to the bowl game. Here's a question um, for you that I know that fans will be will be asking who are listening. Tua stays in. 
Okay, let's let's say two estates in. Herbert obviously out because he's senior. Burrow obviously senior. Jordan Love we know is coming out. Jake Fromm goes back. Jacob Eason comes out. That is the situation. We pick fifth. Mm-hmm. What 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 do you envisage happening with those first three picks, knowing then that next year Trevor Lawrence, Tua, Justin Fields, Brock Purdy, whoever else, whoever else, whoever else will be out. Jake Fromm will be out next year, 2021. What, where do you see the Dolphins? What do you see them doing with those three picks? Should they stay where they are? Which I doubt they will, but if they do, let's just let's assume that they have the 5th, the 18th, and the 23rd, for example. What, where, give us, both of you, give us six names, three each, from what you think those picks would be if the draft was tonight. Well, I would say that that first pick, I think it's traded for a haul and then they try to use some of their later picks to try to get more ammunition for 2021. Then I think that they take a quarterback in this year's draft, but it's not going to be who we think it is. And probably somebody we haven't mentioned in weeks or something, maybe a developmental type to play behind Fitzy. And then in 2021, like Jamie Newman or something like that. Yeah, Maybe as high as Jacob Eason since they have two for second round picks. And if Jacob Eason drops that second, second round pick, they might convince themselves, like, you know what, you know, we just have to take them here. So something like that. Maybe somebody like Ritter, who I know CK likes. I don't somebody think Somebody like out. Khalil, you don't like him anymore? No, I don't think he's coming out. Oh, no, I don't think he's coming out. Okay. Maybe Khalil Tate in the sixth round, something like that? He asked what do you think? Out. What do you think names-wise, Chris? I think um, the first pick, uh, wherever they're – so we don't know where they're going to be picking, but say number five, something like that. I think uh, they'll just – hunker down and take Jordan Love with that pick. Wow. He's um, he's a first-round pick. I mean, if you if you look at him in a classical sense, I mean, and all these scouts are still going off the same handbook um, from the Bill Parcells days, but he's, he's a college graduate. He's a three-year starter. He's got, you know, over 20 wins. He's, he's got 30, I think, 31 starts or 32 starts and 21 wins. You know, two to one touchdown interception ratio, over sixty percent completion, over the top delivery, perfect. You know, professional stroke, and uh, an ideal arm talent, ideal arm strength, good accuracy. Uh, he can run. Uh, he he. You can see him. You've seen him in in the games. You see him scrambling around and making things happen with his legs. He can also run for first downs. He's athletic, former basketball player. There's a reason he gets compared a lot to Patrick Mahomes, and it goes two ways. It's one, he's got traits, he's very, very, very talented, and two, he's also got flaws. There were flaws. There's a reason Patrick Mahomes went down where he went, right? And it was because he played at Texas Tech behind an atrocious offensive line in a um, in that air raid style system. And so he was constantly on the move. He developed bad pocket habits, and, and people were, were questioning whether he could he could break those pocket habits. And I thought of, you know, I thought it would. In fact, I saw it as sort of a positive. He was constantly making things happen in chaos at Texas Tech. And it worked out. But um, I think Jordan Love, we everything we hear about him, leadership standpoint, checks out. Everything we hear about him uh, from his personal history, you know, the, the adversity he's overcome personally as well as professionally as a, as a college football player. I, I call them professionals because that's basically what they are. Um, He's he's dealt with some shit, and so I think that uh, that this is a guy that's going to be appreciated by the NFL more than some of the fans uh, who get caught up in in some of the analytics. I think um, 
are getting are are appreciating him right now. I, I think uh, the NFL are going to be like, this is classic traits guy. We're going to coach him up, and he's going to be he's going to be pretty good. And I, I think I don't think they're far off the case. I think by the time we get to draft day, if you're talking about you know getting him with one of those late first round picks, you know, just quit because it's not it's not going to happen. This is sort of like you know reminds me of when we used to talk about getting Philip Rivers and with the late first round pick, or when we used to talk about getting Cam Newton with the mid first round pick, or when we used to talk about getting Baker Mayfield with the mid first round pick, or, we, or you Mahomes. know, all, any number of guys. One of the last. Or Kyler Murray. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. Kyler Murray. We used to talk about getting Kyler Murray with the mid first round pick. And it was like, by the time you get to draft day, it's like, no, no, that ain't happening. And I think that's that's the way Jordan Love is going to be when he goes to the Senior Bowl. He's probably going to do well. Uh, he's got exposure. He's been exposed to NFL passing concepts at Utah State. I think that he's just a he's just good quarterback prospect. He's probably. I mean, Simon, you did not like Josh Allen last year. I did. Uh, mm. He's probably a better prospect than Josh Allen was. Um, yeah, probably. More ac- he's more accurate. He's not as strong. But he's more accurate. He's got the same athleticism. Mm. Uh, I certainly think he'll end up in the top twelve area, and I, you know, and I also think that if the Dolphins take a West Coast quarterback, I think it would be Love over Herbert. Yeah, and and they have, I think and they so. Have plenty, of, plenty of information on both. So if they take, if they take one or the other, it's not something that they did willy nilly. It's something that they researched mm-hmm. thoroughly. Yeah, and I think he's really only. I mean, if you look at the sort of the ascendance story of Jordan Love. I think he's just kind of scratching the surface a little bit of what he can be as a fully integrated player with his, with his agility and his athleticism and what he can do scrambling around and running because he didn't do a lot of that early in his career at Utah State. If you look last year, he didn't run for first downs much. He, he was very protective of his body, which is a good thing because, you know, you need to, you need to be um, protect yourself at that position. But this year, because things have really broken down on that team, they lost everybody. They lost all three of their they – their three top wide receivers, their top tight end, their top running back, their top – all five offensive linemen, the run coordinator, the pass coordinator, you name it, they lost it. Um, because of everything break, broke down that way, he's had to do a lot more on his own and sort of had to mature and grow that way. And so he started to integrate that – that run and scramble and buying time more into his game more. And I think by the end of the year, you saw it start to click like, you know, the, the rhythm of it, the, um, the, the potential of it, uh, he was starting to do more and better things that way. And I think he's just scratching the surface of it. He's a former basketball player. He's a really good basketball player, you know, back in the day. Um, and he's, he's very athletic. You see him, you see him, he's going to clock pretty well. Um, so I, I think that he's the sky, I mean, is the limit with this guy. He's still growing. It's, it's going to be a, a pretty good prospect down the road. He's definitely a guy though, that you need to sit, don't you? And, and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. would be the ultimate mentor really in the same way that Alex Smith was for Patrick Mahomes. You know, there's, yeah. there's no, there's no ego there with Fitz. You know, that he's going to be helping out mm-hmm. in, in as best uh, way as he possibly can. But it does feel like, Nobody's really quite sure what Fitz is going to do next. He says he's enjoying football more than he's ever enjoyed it before in his life. He's just gone over 3,000 yards of the season. He's, you know, he's having fun. But, you know, does he come back for another year? Does he take a year off, become a coach? It, the coaches. Like Go on, sorry, Chris. 
Uh, I was, the coaches are going to make that case. Yes, they're sure. they're going to make that case. The guy they may need to make it to is Steve Ross. I mean, because he expects them to be playoff caliber, like fighting for the playoffs next year. And the very last thing that Steve Ross is ever going to want or put up with is they go six and 10 with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback next year. Um, and that's, you know, in Ross's mind, that's not happening. And if it does happen, then heads are going to roll. Um, and Chris Greer's head, namely. So I think that, um, I think that they, they'd be taking a chance by, by being a proponent for this Ryan Fitzpatrick plan. But at the same time, you can tell during the games. I mean, just look at the way that these coaches interact with him. Look at everybody on the sidelines. Look at even, you know, between games during the week. These guys are sold on Ryan Fitzpatrick. They are loving coaching him. And I think that they're going to want him back. And it just so happens it's kind of interesting the way it's all planned and panned out with Tua's hip injury and the fact that Jordan Love is kind of the other guy, I think. Both of these quarterbacks need 2020 off, really. So – you have the opportunity to go again with Ryan Fitz. You're probably going to have to give him a pay raise because he's, he's already started one year for you and performed pretty well under not ideal conditions um, for backup money. And I don't know if he'll do that again next year or he might, I mean, they, they might have to come to an understanding about money, but, um, but anyway, yeah, that it fits like Fitzpatrick could come back continue to play Jordan love be an understudy learn a lot from him or to a tongue of Iowa be an understudy get healthy learn from him and then when the time is right you know maybe even late Latin next year who knows they yeah, have they to smash really, those other two picks though aren't they yeah they're gonna really have to sell it to Ryan Fitzpatrick that if you stay here you have a future here as a coach because I think if he's exposed to to the market uh, I think he's he's going to have his choice after putting up the season he's had this year. I think he's going to have his choice of backup jobs almost anywhere in the league. So I, I don't know. Backup jobs, but he doesn't want to be backup. He no. said it many yeah, times. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but, you know, maybe maybe he's not as self-aware as we think he is. But you really mm-hmm. think that if he gets the opportunity to back up a Super Bowl caliber type team. No, he's not going to do it. No, I, think, I think he'd rather start. You'd want to yeah, play he, football. He's, at that age. He said that. Point? Yeah. He said it so many times explicitly. Like I came here to start. Like this is this is the reason. That's the reason he Miami threw out these these contract offers to I think three different guys, and they were all backup level contracts. And then I just said, you know, the idea is you take this backup level contract, but you're going to have a chance to start and better yourself. You know, better your 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 stock and your situation. Well, he's the one that said yes. And didn't consider that an insult because he just wants to play, and and that's his that's his deal. Like he doesn't he came here to play, and if if playing isn't isn't on the table for us anymore, then he will go somewhere else. But unless somebody else is offering the chance to start and we're not, then he's he's coming back to Miami if we we want him. If Steve a, Ross basically says yes, here's a couple of questions for you. They're obviously going to have to hit out of the park. If they do take Jordan Love at five, six, whatever the pick is, they're going to have to hit that other two picks out of the park because Love isn't contributing next year. So therefore, those other two picks really need to be players that come in, contribute, uh, and play well, aren't they? They're really going to have to do that. That's that's 
I think we're all agreed on that for sure. The other, the other factor, I suppose, which is something else that fans are talking about, is that there remains the possibility. You know, they, they threw a lot of money in front of Teddy Bridgewater, who's a free agent. Mm-hmm. There are rumblings that the Dallas Cowboys will not pony up the forty million pounds, forty million dollars per that Dak Prescott is allegedly looking at. Mm-hmm. The the Derek Carr, the Matt Stafford, there are players out there that you feel like this coaching staff could potentially win with. Where are we in terms of a veteran, you know, who's not a, a, an aged veteran like a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick, but uh, potentially, you know, because it was clear that Teddy Bridgewater was a guy that they thought they could build for the future and they could win with, you know, he wasn't just a stopgap guy. They, they, Teddy was a guy, I think, that they probably thought they could, you know, all things being equal, they could probably build around and win and, you know, do something decent with, with Bridgewater at the helm. What's to say they wouldn't go back to that well? Because we're all piling our thoughts into Tour and Herbert and Love. And what if they're thinking completely differently? What if they're thinking, you know what? First day of free agency, boom, Teddy Bridgewater, boom, trade for Trent Williams, boom, we sign Matthew Judon in the draft, boom, we sign Jeff Okuda, you know, we come back and we sign a right tackle, we sign a, a centre. Uh, and all of a sudden they build that way. That That's not beyond the realms of possibility either, is it? Yeah, I think that it, it, it's going to start with a conversation that they're going to have of, are we settling? Because I mm-hmm. believe if mm-hmm. the draft unfolds, and let's say the Tua does come out, and the draft unfolds in the worst way possible, where we don't get Tua, and for you Burrow fans, we don't get Burrow either. Let's say that they go 1-2 or 1-3 or 1-4, and we don't have an opportunity at them. Do you sit there and just take Herbert because that's what you're settling on? Or do you sit back and maybe you have love scoped out and he gets taken in front of you? Are you back into the situation where you're just going to take a young quarterback for the sake of it? I think the that point, they're going to have it in their heads, the prospects that they want to build around. And they're maybe not they going to settle for anybody else. But the point I'm making is that they're not, that maybe they're not even looking at a prospect. Maybe the point is they're looking at a free agent guy. I think the you know, point like that, a Bridgewater, for example. I think that they're they... thinking I think they're thinking is more along the lines of of like what I just said. I think they have a couple of prospects in mind. And if those fall through, they'll pivot to what you said. Because there's gonna but be but, free, a bevy but obviously free agency happens before the draft. You know, Teddy Bridgewater either gonna resign with the Saints or he's gonna sign with somebody else. I would be surprised. I would be surprised if um, if that were the plan because because of the availabilities. The availabilities are not great. Um, I think the guys that you're talking about being available, possibly available, are ain't either ancient or you know uh, Bridgewater's Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, <laughs> or in Bridgewater's case, you know, still unproven. He did all right for a couple of games this well. year. They went five and zero, and he played really well. He he played all right. Um, it's I don't think I don't know I I don't I didn't think he was tearing it up tearing up the league. He played all right in a in a good offense. I but mean, remember, that's... he took a visit here and he basically said this job stinks. I'm going back to New Orleans. Yeah, I mean he he did and um and he you know supposedly on advice he he's, he chose the New Orleans Saints because that situation is better uh, and they he has a better shot at being the guy when drew Brees retires and For and that sure. may be right and he's and mm-hmm. he may be but also may be exactly be, what he's still got in mind 
but also there's a better way of building your stock when you're playing behind Andrus Pete and Eric McCoy and oh, sure. Ryan Ramstrick sure. and Teron Armstead and you're throwing yeah, not only to that, but he looks Michael like Thomas and Kamara and Mike Thomas and they're both they're both essentially babies. So, but but, mm-hmm. but you sign for a year. You can see ten you, years from now being with those. But guys. you sign yeah, you sign for a year and you think if I'm gonna build my stock up and then get a big contract somewhere else, I'm gonna do it with arguably the you know, one of the best lines and you know yeah the best receiver and a great running back. There's nothing to say that 12 months on, he doesn't look at Miami and think, okay, a lot of money, a lot of draft picks. This coaching staff has proved that they can, you know, pretty significantly do a job with zero talent. And I'm being offered 20 million a year for four years back to the, back to the city that I grew up in. Uh, I'm just, I'm just trying to, you know, I'm just trying to float the possibility that if Tua doesn't come, if Tua doesn't come out, if From doesn't come out and, you know, they're going to have to, the Dolphins are going to have to have played out this scenario in their head, aren't they? This is one of the things that they will be looking at. They're not, I, I can't believe they're singularly focused on the draft without ever thinking about, look, this scenario could happen. You know, what would yeah. happen? I'm sure they must have played out in that, and they will continue to play out. A myriad of, otherwise, what's Chris Greer and Marvin? They must be sitting there going, look, we could do this, and we go this way. We can go, they must have a series of ways with which they think that they could be successful. Sure. I think it's going to pivot a lot. I think it's going to pivot a lot on, De- on the Detroit Lions. Um, and I think that that's, that's the situation that you keep track of, especially since, uh, since if you look at Matt Patricia and Brian Flores, the relationship with one another, there, there's already a relationship there. And it's simple. I mean, it, it's, listen, they have Matthew Stafford. He was doing well this year before he got hurt. And, but he is up there. He's like, what, 32 years old? 31. 31. They are either going to stick with Matthew Stafford or they're probably going to be players in the game for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Or maybe, say, not Jordan Love instead. Who knows? Right? A quarterback. So they're going to be in they're, – they're either going to be in play for somebody like that or they're going, to, they're going to be going with Matthew Stafford. If they're not going with a quarterback in the draft, then – Miami can go for a quarterback in the draft and they can be confident enough in that to pass on the quarterbacks and free agency. I, I understand the point that free agency comes first, right? And, and yeah. figuring out that situation comes first. They can be confident enough if they, if they feel comfortable knowing that, uh, that Detroit is not parting with Matt Stafford is not targeting a rookie quarterback. Although my, fear if they is- are, if they are though, then that's when Miami says, well, listen, we'll take Matt Stafford. And although, they end up trading yeah. for Matt Stafford. Although my fear is that they might do the prudent thing and the thing that probably all three of us would do, which is, you know what, let's make a run at this nine or ten wins this year with Matt Stafford with his backup being Tua Tungavailoa that we take at number three. So, Could be. Could be, know. but can they really, as a bad team as they are, yeah. can they really make that run – while using that well, number three pick on on a non-performing asset, yeah. and also I think the the I think everybody thought that Patricia and Bob Quinn were going to be fired at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Then the announcement came four days ago that they were going to be kept on for next year. I mean, they yeah. are. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think if they took two and or Jordan, uh, not and or Jordan Love, if they took two or Jordan Love at pick four, which is what they're in now. I think Quinn and Patricia may as well hand in their resignation notices on the way to handing in the card to Roger Goodell at the draft because they would be selecting a quarterback that isn't going to help them mm-hmm. in 2020. What they need more than anything is help on that interior defensive line. And that's 
that's Derek Brown, that's Kinlaw, that's, you know, they need help at cornerback, and that's Jeff Okuda. You know, you pair Okuda and Darius Slay, and all, all of a sudden, you know, you're cooking on defensive back gas. And we all know the importance with which the Belichick tree coaches place on defensive backs. I just mm. don't think that Matt Patricia and, uh, and Bob Quinn are in a position to draft a quarterback who isn't going to come in and compete and start in week one. And with the greatest will in the world, two are coming off the injury and Jordan Love with his need for, as we said 10 minutes ago, his need to, you know, sit a year and learn and process and understand the NFL football that's not going to help them. They may as well just be signing their own death warrants, I think. And I just cannot see that, cannot see that happening. And if that's the case, if that is really the case, and, and I, tr- I just trust the rapport. I think that there's, a, there's a, a value to the rapport between two guys like Flores and Patricia. And if that really is the case, then Miami can, will either know that and know it well enough that they know that they can get their quarterback in the draft instead of, instead of going for it in free agency, going for some imperfect option there. Um, or they can work something out with Detroit to make everybody happy and make sure everybody gets what they, what they want. Um, and I think that that's, that's kind of where it would lean and where the leverage is, is on that Detroit situation, because they're the ones that just leapfrogged over Miami. And we'll see what they do next week, but um, but yeah, that's that's the one to keep an eye on. And if it, who knows? I mean, we we figure. I think you're right that you would tend to figure that these guys would be signing their death warrants if they drafted a non-performing asset that high. But it might it might also not be up to them. It might they they, they answer to some to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. And if that that somebody puts his finger on the button, you know who knows. So. Um, so if something weird happens, then Miami could be going after Matt Stafford and then circling back to 2021. That's it's it's plausible. You know, what's interesting. There was a story floating around that a year ago and Flores was not here a year ago. They made a run at Matt Stafford and were summarily dismissed by the Detroit Lions. So maybe that was Chris Greer thinking way ahead. Who knows? But it's interesting, right? supposedly that was like a conversation between Gase and Patricia. Like they were rapping with each other and Gase and, like and asked, asked about Stafford. And, and he asked about Stafford. That's interesting. Yeah. Because uh, I think we spoke about this last year that they also had a conversation and I don't know if it was Gase or Greer or what, but it was the, the organization had a, com- a conversation with the Raiders over Derek Carr and they were mm-hmm. told to basically buzz off. We have no interest in trading him. So yeah. So and I think that's that probably laying, still the case. You think that they've been laying the road for two years? Are they that diabolical? Because that would make me feel good about this this front office that they've been doing this for two years. No, I doubt it. <laughs> no, I really. And I also think that Oakland's not ready to. I mean, John Gruden and, so they're and not that quarterbacks smart, don't mix. They're not that smart. No, I, I just I don't think it's I don't think that's the way they're they're working it. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, it's not. I don't think there's anything bad about it. I just think I just don't think that's the way they were working it. Yeah. All right. On the way out here, let's talk a little general NFL. Uh, what did you guys make what of the it? Dallas Cowboys, who sit here today, looking at their team, saying, "Okay, how the hell do we get better?" Chris, fuck, I don't know anything about the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> they, have they have everything you can possibly need, and they still suck. 
I'm, I, I'm fearful that that could be us eventually because it was us for about three, four, five years. Well, well remember when we were out. supposed to be the Browns? The Browns that was when that was when that was supposed to be our model. Like, yeah. And and it's well, just that's bad coach. It's, it's bad coaching. I mean, Jason Garrett's going to get fired on Monday. It, it's bad coaching. It's bad ownership. You only had to watch that all or nothing to see that, you know, the coaching model that they have with Jerry Jones sitting in every meeting, you know, that, that can't work. It's going to be very interesting to see, you know, out of the four names that are rumored to be, you know, highest on Jerry's list, Matt Rule, uh, Baylor, Lincoln Riley, obviously Oklahoma, Ron Rivera, formerly of the, of the Panthers, and obviously Urban Meyer. Um, you know, it's going to be, you know, can you imagine Urban Meyer sat in a coach's meeting with, with Jerry Jones sat there telling him, I mean, I'm not sure I can see that. Uh, I mean, What's interesting is that supposedly, supposedly they had a meeting uh, last offseason and Jerry Jones asked Garrett to improve the offense. So the offense is number one this year, and now is when he's going to get fired, which is yeah. hilarious. It's hilarious. And Marcus, Marcus Mosher, one of the Dallas writers, just tweeted a, a few hours ago, wait until you hear some of the stories about Jason Garrett and this team next week. The level of lack of accountability is going to be absolutely stunning. You know, this is something that's been going on for, for a long time. And I think you only had to look at that situation yesterday. You know, they have, what, Travis Frederick, um, the left tackle whose name completely escapes me, Zach Martin, Lyle Tyron, Collins, Tyron Smith. Smith. Um, you know, they've got a big old, they've invested an awful lot of money and first-round picks in the offensive line. They paid a running back $90 million and on third and one, against a banged-up Eagles defensive front seven. They couldn't get a first down, decided to punt when they're behind in a, in, a, in a game which they need to win to essentially save their coach's job and to get into the playoffs, and they, they couldn't do that. And then most critical of all, that third, those, those third and fourth down plays yesterday at the end of the game, neither, neither um, Randall Cobb, who'd had four catches for 68 yards in the fourth quarter alone, or Amari Cooper, who they gave up a first-round pick for, were, were even on the field for the final <laughs> two offensive plays of the game, which, is, the which defies belief. And they still had a timeout left. You know, and they, 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 they complained that the fact that, that Cobb, neither Cobb or um, Cooper had been on the field, on, or, you know, or they'd gone off the field on, on second down. I mean, A, why are you taking them off the field anyway? And B, why are you not calling a timeout to get the best play? This is your season on the line now. I mean, I, that, I just find that absolutely staggering. And to me, that's, you know, I mean, Garrett was going to be fired anyway, but he is a um, he is a one game against the Giants away from finding yourself in the unemployment line. Stunning. I don't, I don't know much about the Cowboys, but I, I know that I heard Jerry Jones say a couple weeks back, like nearly a month back, uh, I believe Jason Garrett will be coaching in the NFL next year. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's fired. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe people closer to it like know the ins and outs, and maybe they had reasons to doubt and reasons to still believe Jerry would be on to Jason Garrett. But you hear that? That's it. It's over. Jason Garrett's gone. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. going to be coaching in the NFL next year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's gone. Just not in. Just not in Flowery, bro. Uh, not in. Um, just not in Dallas. Yeah, and on and on the way out here, I tweeted on uh, on Saturday when those games were going on that it will not be the Buffalo Bills to dethrone the New England Patriots. And if you've been listening to our podcast, we all think that the Patriots are going to essentially dethrone themselves when they don't re-sign Tom Brady and he possibly retires at season's end. 
But what did you make of that game? I don't know if you guys saw it. But Josh Allen, I know, I know there's a joke in here somewhere. But you thought he was inaccurate? That fourth quarter of his, Jesus Christ. He mm. couldn't have been any more inaccurate as they were coming yeah. back in that game. And then every once in a while, he'll pull, off, he'll pull off this throw that you couldn't, you couldn't come to believe that he made that throw, and then he misses two or three easy ones to tie yeah. the game. Yeah, that's game. what he does. That's what that's that's a frustration. He's got a consistent. It's got it a consistency maddening. issue. It was he drops the elbow. He drops the elbow. He sails the ball, and and or or he just over he aims it and he turfs it. I mean, it's he doesn't have he doesn't have a professional stroke yet. I mean, it's it's no. really not a finished product to where you know you've got the rep after rep after rep and and it's there um he's not able to produce that consistency he's never going to be league leading in accuracy i mean he's he's got he's about 72 percent i last i was looking at um the analytics he's about 72 percent accuracy this year and um last year was 65 which was abysmal 72 is you know kind of bottom third of the league i mean that's that's him and and i think i you know, I stagger to say that's ever going to be like 80. I don't know that's ever going to be the case. But it got better, certainly, from rookie year to this year. And we haven't seen it plateau yet. Uh, so we'll see next year. I think I think they're going to be in the playoffs. And, you know, who knows what happens from there. You go all Joe Flacco on somebody all of a sudden. Uh, that's, that's what – I mean, that's what Joe Flacco did. He was kind of a mediocre quarterback during the year. And then um, like an 85 – 90 type passer rating guy and then all of a sudden in, in the in the playoffs he's unstoppable I mean, that's how he won a super bowl i mean there's a lot there's a lot to like about him physically he seems like a great kid but but that's the the one concern isn't it that you know he made that throw to to, to the tight end that was originally a touchdown to make it 24 all, which was absolutely sensational ball. but then other times you just think it, it is so maddening and you know he that's what you get. You get wow throws and you could big physicality, you can move the pocket, and then other times just wildly inaccurate and kind of the same guy every week. And, and I wonder without a top five defense, mm, how close yeah, to the playoffs would, they get. It would get. be a lot of It would be you know, a lot of you know, yeah. There's no way you win. There's no way you win a lot of games with him if you don't. Uh, and that throw to the tight end that you know, was absolutely dropped into the box that you thought was going to tie up to be 24-24 is, you know, was an absolutely outstanding throw. He couldn't have placed it into his hands any better, but then you just get those wildly inaccurate balls. And, you know, we just touched upon it. I, I think if you don't have a top five defense that they have, you're going to struggle to win games consistently, the, the Buffalo Bills, because, you know, let's hope he fixes it, but not too quickly, because obviously, you know, there is a there is a mantle to be taken in the AFC East and the, the Patriots are coming to the end of their reign. And I suspect that they will, I'd be very surprised I mean, I think I'd probably be quite surprised if they made the AFC Championship game this year, actually. But, um, you know, you never say never, and they're such a well-coached team. And they've got, you know, they just they just tough out those victories. But, you know, I don't fancy them on the road. In KC, for example, I wouldn't fancy them in Baltimore. Um, but, yeah, you know, look, Alan is a, you know, he's getting better. But how much better can he get with the things that really matter? And accuracy is just that massively important one. So we shall see. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and one comment, and actually a question that I wanted to ask uh, the two of you. Uh, to be fair, he's going to, by the time the season is over, he's going to have 30 touchdowns, um, at least 30 touchdowns. And uh, they're, you know, they've won 10 games. So they've done a lot of that on defense, but also on offense because they've, they're consistent. 
they're consistently adding value. And there's some analytics that I pay attention to um, and expected points uh, is above, above expectation is, um, is one of them. And they, they do that. They have positive marks in over half of their games that way. They're, they're doing better than their situations um, would uh, predict on average in more than half of their games. So they're doing all right on offense that way he's going to have over 30 touchdowns they've got 10 wins at what point you know you look at that and and say okay well this is a guy that's affecting the game in multiple ways uh and would you take him and that's at least the question as we stand here right now would you take him over sam darnold of the jets would you or would you take sam darnold over josh allen if you had to pick one of those two i think if you were to put so i think the interesting issue for me is and i was talking to a dolphin's personnel person the other day uh, and they were talking about evaluation of prospects put player a into the position of player b so put sam mm-hmm. donald with that defense and some of those weapons or put josh allen with the jets uh, who for me i personally would take would take donald because i think long term he'll be the better quarterback i think at the moment it's yeah, Donald's not had the best year, but I think maybe his highs have been slightly bigger in terms of what you're looking for as a throwing quarterback. But I think Allen has more strings to his bow in terms of the way that he can run, and he's a big, tough kid. And, you know, I, I think it's a toss-up, really. I think it's pick your point. I personally would take Donald, but I could understand why people would would take Allen. I think it's, a, I think it's, oh. it's, I think it's damn near impossible to answer because I'll tell you what, those three balls that he missed, that Josh Allen missed against the Patriots, all three of which would have tied the game and sent the game into overtime against the mm. Patriots for the division title. Yeah. I think Darnold makes all those plays. I think he makes all those throws. Mm. In fact, I think yeah, – would, would, would they be in that position with him? That's though? where I'm getting to. I yeah. don't think they'd be in the same position because I've watched Josh Allen and I could laugh at the 18-yard the out that he sails 22 – and then the very next play, I could I could see him escape, and just see oh that defensive end is a is a little in, a little inside, isn't he? And the linebacker like, is very kind of deep in coverage. There's Let very few quarterbacks in the guys. league. There's very few quarterbacks in the league who could stand up to that pressure and hit John Brown with that with that touchdown that he did on on Saturday night. The the yeah. 53 yarder. I mean that's a that's oh, a I big that boy play. throw, big boy yeah. throw. That was but the then same there are there are 31 other quarterbacks that could probably make the throws that he misses. And that's, I think, for me, the concern. <laughs> I think what was but maddening also, is that he missed three in a row to, t- to tie the game. That's yeah. what was weird. But then that's look, you, flip it, you flip it with 2.41 to go. There's a fourth and one face mask call that doesn't get called. Yes. That moves them 15 yards close to the end zone and mm-hmm. the game could be completely different. But I think with Buffalo, what you have to do, you, ha- you cannot avoid looking at, you know, Ed Oliver, the, the kid out of Clemson who's a free agent that, that we think Miami might pursue, whose name completely, uh, Shaq Lawson. Um, Shaq look Lawson. at Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips in his nine and a half sacks this season. And then that linebacker called Tremaine Edmonds has been uh, has been terrific. Matt Milano is one of the most underrated players in the league. Tredavious White might be the second or third best corner behind Stephon Gilmore. Jordan Poyer's a really good player. Michael Hyde's a really good player. Defensively, they're a really, really slow. And sure, I think Sean McDermott's doing a great job coaching, but it will be fascinating to see where they move forwards with Allen. And, you know, is it a case of just getting him more help? You know, do you get him more help? Do you get him better receivers? You know, how, how much better would he look with a C.D. Lamb? How much better would he look with a Jerry Judy? 
how much better would he look with one of those guys that you know might make some of his more inaccurate throws slightly more catchable just because they they're better being mm-hmm. catch radius quicker to the ball you know who knows and also to your point about fit you know one guy fitting this way in this offense or this team structure and the other and that guy are in that team structure I think that there are synergies, always have been and probably will be, synergies between defense and a quarterback that can affect the run game. Yeah. Um, The way that Josh Allen can, the way that we've seen other quarterbacks of the past. I think there's always going to be some synergy between the defensive approach and and that those kinds of players. And um, and so, you know, would the defense if they didn't, if the the Bills weren't so good, because they're damn near unstoppable to me. They they seem like unstoppable at times in those short yardage situations, and they move mm-hmm. the chains. Um, if they didn't have that going on for them, and if Josh Allen didn't affect the run game the way he does, uh, would would the defense be in a different position? Uh, I would say uh, so. week to week. Uh, I would yeah, say impossible. So. Right back. I it's mean, right I, back to it's right back to where, where I started with the Dallas Cowboys. They're 22nd yeah. in time of possession, and they have the fourth-ranked running game. How is that possible? You know how yeah. it's possible? When, you put, when your offense is so high, high up tempo that you keep your defense out there for long periods of time, and mm-hmm. they're not as good as they were a year ago. Yep. Because all of a sudden they're playing many more snaps. But, yeah, what's interesting, and, and I don't know how this happens, but Sam Darno, we absolutely own Sam Darno. Yeah. Josh Allen absolutely owns us. You know who owns Sam Darnold? Did you see T.J. Watt punch him in the testicles? Mm-hmm. Like hard. <laughs> I saw Like that. hard in the testicles. Like, I saw that. He wound up and he like gave him a Mike Tyson super punch. Like, if we're talking right about the, funny right things, balls. how about Saturday when Tom Brady scrambled out and saw Ed Oliver and decided to try to outrun Ed Oliver to the end zone? And Ed, Ed Oliver looked like he was shocked. Like, are you really <laughs> trying to run around me? He, he did get a yard, though, so you got to give Tom Brady yeah. credit. He got give, him some, give him some credit on that one. Yeah. Fascinating, um, fascinating final week and potential playoffs, isn't it? I mean, the Raiders yeah. needing those six things to go, or ten things to go right for them, got all six of them yesterday. And now, all of a sudden, they're kind of, you know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility they end up as a sixth seed. You've got Tennessee and Houston, the, the resurgence of Tannehill. Can he, you know, can he pull that team into the playoffs against a team that's going to be resting Resting players, you know, you got the, the the Chiefs look defensively. I think they've given up seventeen, eight, three, and three points the last four games. All of a sudden, defensively, you know, they're getting home. You know, Chris Jones is is finally putting it together at the back end of the season. Tyron Matthews playing brilliantly defensively in, on the back end. They're playing well. You know, there's a and the the NFC similarly fascinating with the Saints and the Forty Niners. Look, you know, Forty Niners two and two of the last four games. You know, Packers and Vikings in a minute, which looks like a corker of a game. It's shaping up to be a hell of a playoffs. Yeah, and actually the Saints, and that's the one I'm watching because uh, we are going to be we're going to be represented at the Super Bowl this year. Uh, our three wide three wide PC is, um, and that's the one I'm watching for is the Saints mm. because in the NFC, I, I was watching, I was there, you know, watching all the games and um, this weekend, and I had the Saints game on, and they were getting embarrassed. I mean, yeah. if, if you really if you really watched the beginning of that game, um, they were getting pretty well embarrassed by the Titans and Ryan Tannehill, who jumped out on them. They were dominating them. They were really, and then they end up winning that game, thirty-eight to twenty-eight. 
I mean, that's just to me. That's that is a team that can can react well under adverse uh, or under adversity. I mean, that's yeah. uh, that was hugely impressive the way that they. It just seemed it just seemed like the game is too long. And that's a good team. When it seems like the game is just too long to keep them down, I mean that's that's what it is. And there all was three a, phases. The point it defense. seemed like so long that the t- Titans might actually come back, but then the Saints just put them away. All three phases of that defense as well. They are mm-hmm. really good. You know, Cam yeah. Hayward again. We talk about underrated players. I mean, mm-hmm. Cam Jordan. I mean, yeah, just the, a, you know, tremendous player. Mean. Marcus Davenport playing well. Sheldon Rankin. Demario Davis well. linebacker. Demario Davis has been absolutely fantastic. And then on the back end, you've got. Von Bell and Marcus Williams made the Pro Bowl, a player I loved coming out of college. Marshall Lattimore, mm-hmm. one of the top sort of five corners in the NFL. Even Eli Apple's playing well. And, and then obviously offensively, you know, Kamara. You've got uh, Latavius Murray playing well. Breeze, uh, Michael Thomas, Mike, Gibb. Michael you know, Thomas, 145 40, catches. Astonishing. Astonishing. He's still got a game left. He's still got a game left. <laughs> It's, it's incredible amazing. how he does it. And he's not doing it uh, Landry style either. Like, he's catching balls down the field. He's yeah, route running as well. I mean, he's up there with yeah. Keenan Allen as one of the best two or three really Allen's. What NFL. I want to see That's one of the guys. He and, he and Mike Evans – he and Mike Evans are two are, – uh, and also Tyreek Hill when he doesn't have other things going on. But whenever somebody's asking – somebody inevitably asks me for fantasy vi- advice at work. And I'm not a huge fantasy guy, really. Um to, I don't track it that way. I keep track of the talent. I know how talent and talented these guys are. So I always tell them, you know, when it comes to receivers, like Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, can't go wrong. <laughs> you know, go, get yeah. one of those guys. I mean, we know about Julio and all that, but yeah. you know, get one of those guys any given year, they can just go off on you. Here's a beautiful message for you as we leave um, and wish you all a happy Christmas. Um, that New Orleans Saints team was put together in large part by which man? <laughs> you had to do it. <laughs> you had to do it. <laughs> Mister, yeah. I've yeah. got picks. I've got picks and I've got money. Jeff Ireland. Jeffrey yeah. of Ireland. <laughs> well done, Jeff. Yes. Oh, well, my. You know what? I mean, kudos to him. After, yeah. after the Patriots had stumbled their way to 12 wins again, they're going to get about another bye week. These bastards, they're going to get another yeah. bye week, and they're going to ruin my dream, which was a number three versus number six matchup in the first round. Patriots versus Titans. How's this for you? How's this for you? What if the Patriots next year, they, they dump Brady? I brought this up before. What if the Patriots next year, this is a disturbing thought. What if they dump Brady, right? And they go through, because they dump Brady, they, they go through a quote-unquote rebuilding year. And uh-huh. they take what we did, what we did this year with the whole roster destruction and ro- roster dismantling. <laughs> and If you say Trevor Lawrence, I'm going to hang up. <laughs> they supercharge it except we didn't we didn't get the coaches involved in this shit okay but they will all right bill mm. belichick is up top and his two coordinators are his own son on defense <laughs> his own and his son mom. and then josh and then josh mcdaniels on offense and we know josh and mcdaniels is easily not, devious enough he will not be filming a single mother fucker all year long <laughs> Just nope. so he can draft nope. Trevor Lawrence. Just so he can draft Trevor Lawrence. And they I swear to you right now, if they dismantle the roster, if they get rid of Tom Brady and stuff like that, those coaches will be in on it. They'll hit the button. They'll hit the button. They'll they'll ten, send that zero blitz that well, we, we did it once. <laughs> yeah, we did that once. If but the Patriots, they, they if will the Patriots do it. draft 
if they draft Trevor Lawrence, I am quitting this sport forever. Forever. What a thought. I mean, mate, I would puke, I would puke I've, on my shoes I've, every day until the end of time. Ruined, I have just ruined your Christmas. You've ruined Christmas. You've ruined this Christmas <laughs> and every other Christmas. Although I'll give you, I'll give you this thought, you know, to to move you off of the ledge. If you look at Bill Belichick's son, okay, does he strike you as the guy that you know that fell really short off the tree or way off of the tree? Uh, um, even <laughs> makes it even more easy to manipulate. He's he, he's Kendall Roy from Succession, <laughs> except he won't fuck his old man over when it comes to draft time. He's the guy. Like, he's the guy that argues with like the gas station clerk about yeah. like the cigarettes behind the counter, like which ones, which ones he can get. Yeah. Whilst he's on his way to Clemson, South Carolina. <laughs> what do you mean these Marlboros are fifteen dollars? Yeah. yeah. Fuck he's that, that guy. Oh boy. He's got. He's got jorts. Fuck that. Nah, nah. This is the worst podcast. Yeah. I don't think we have to worry about that ever. Yeah, I don't think we have to worry about that. I think you could you could toss that I'm in the garbage worried. bin. You don't have to worry about that. I think it's much more likely that Bill Belichick and his gigantic ego. I don't know if you've seen the the documentary of him and Nick Saban on on HBO. Yeah, there's not a chance in hell that guy is taking an 0-16. Okay. I just want to leave you on this thought, okay? And you can almost, when I say it, you can pretty much stop the podcast at this point. But next two years or 18 months from now, April 2021, with the first pick of the 2021 NFL draft, the New England Patriots select quarterback Trevor Lawrence of Clemson. Mic drop. End of NFL. <laughs> Goodbye. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas and have a horrific new year. Yeah. All right, guys. You can't, you can't complain. Uh, we gave you a lot. I'm kind of sick. You can hear it in my voice. Simon's cheerful. And Chris, I'm going to watch the Packers. Put you all on suicide watch by telling you that Trevor Lawrence <laughs> is going to be a Patriot. He's ruined Christmas. Yes. So, so Christmas is essentially canceled. Okay. All That's right. That's what I'm here for. Let's go, Pack. Enjoy it. You will not get another show this oh. week because we're going to be on holiday, as they say across the pond. But next week, you do get a show before the year's over. So, you ain't done with this before the year's done. Okay. You do get one more. And then it'll be a new year. And hopefully the end of this miserable season. All right, that's it. There is no more. Talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.